this is Anna and Brian from Amada World Podcast and today is our 10th episode with Susie and we're talking about Web3 and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Hi Susie. Hello Anna, hello Brian, thank you for having me. Hey. Hi. Is it okay if you can give like a small introduction to yourself and your background and how you actually ended up in the Web3? Well first of all I don't think that Bitcoin is really Web3 but if you if you want to get into semantics, sorry. I, I started off my life as an accountant and then I became a financial analyst, uh, which included developing a system called Cognos. I had an opportunity to retrain onto a different system, but decided to take redundancy and make my way in the world of Bitcoin and obviously understanding Web3 as well. So I'm really determined not to go back to the usual nine to five and to try and help the bitcoin cause is there anything like in the background in your background which actually attracts you to the cryptocurrencies and something that sparked you actually like well, interest i read an article on doge i read an article on doge i thought what is this it seemed so interesting and i went on to the exodus app and i wanted to figure it out i thought well how do you buy this stuff what is it it wasn't normal stock shares equities it was a whole new world and I just wanted to be able to work it out so I thought right I'm going to set myself a little task and I'm going to buy myself some doge and I did I had to buy bitcoin first and then I had to sell the bitcoin to buy the doge so that was my first bitcoin purchase okay so was it a long time ago or it was a couple of years ago and then ever since you just become obsessed with it it just feels like a whole world of new information and exciting projects and problem solving and i just ended up devouring lots and lots of information and spending a lot of time watching youtube and reading yeah i think it was just like recently you had even the interview like on the tv and as well like a city am not interview, but the blog, the post that you wrote yeah. for yourself. Do you, do you want to talk about that? So I've written a couple of articles for City AM. I was quite lucky that they post them, actually. I think the editor is a really smart guy because there's a lot of misinformation in the mainstream media, usually around Bitcoin and central bank digital currencies. They're, they're never reported properly. And I think it's not the fault of the journalists. It takes hundreds if not thousands of hours to get your head around it and if you're going to write an article on something like this I, it's one article for them they're not going to spend the time to really get into the nitty-gritty so I wanted to do some myth busting and so I wrote my first article that I wrote for City AM was about central bank digital currencies and I wanted to explain to everybody the dangers of those. And because he was so open to the idea of running that piece, I then offered another piece that I'd been working on for quite a while about how Bitcoin is key to saving the environment, because that's another thing that is in the mainstream media, that everybody thinks that it's killing the planet, it's going to use all the energy on in the world by 2023 or something crazy like that. And I think that it's really important that people understand because this is the most amazing, most revolutionary technology I think that we will ever see in our lifetimes. I think you even had some kind of plots or some graphs connected to the Bitcoin, how much energy it can use. And it's very far from what other industries are using. So, yeah. And I think you had some comparison even with the financial industry like in terms of the banks and how much it uses was it like 10 times more than oh it's insane financial services systems are so 
clunky and just when you think about bitcoin it's a peer-to-peer cash that you can send to anybody on the planet with a mobile phone in seconds for a fraction of a penny when you want to send money to somebody in another country you often have to go to the bank within their working hours set up a chaps probably cost you 25 pounds will take three days to get there you've got to go through your bank their bank and the clearing bank and it doesn't work in the world that we're in today. I don't know how they're getting, getting away with being so slow and so expensive. So we need something that sits outside of that system, something that actually sits outside of government control, because I think that they haven't really proven themselves to be trustworthy. And I think that anything where you can unbank or bank the unbanked, because most people have a phone, where you can give help victims of war, leave Say, for example, you were in a war-torn country and you had to leave with your wealth. You can't just bars of gold in your bag and and go over borders, but you remember a seed phrase in your head and you can take it anywhere with you. I think there was some example even like about women in Afghanistan. So basically, when you're in an abusive relationship and you can't leave the husband, but these women, they were not allowed to have bank account even so they can't have any money to escape and i think some project they try to hire them and pay in crypto so and as soon as crypto actually prices went up they were able to escape those relationships and it's phenomenal basically safe the humanitarian aspect to it is mind-blowing but for some reason it gets constantly demonized and So I want to bust those myths and I want to bring Bitcoin and its technology to more people. So why do you think people are so against this technology? Well, I think it starts with, started with them not taking it seriously because it was just magic internet money that nobody paid attention to. It was a bunch of geeks just mining off their laptops and people just laughed at them. And then as it gained traction and more and more people started to understand how it worked, what it did, the fact it was truly decentralized, which means no, no rulers, just rules. You just, you can't help but just go deeper and deeper and deeper into learning about it. So I think that if governments don't like it and they're threatened by it, they're going to pump out a lot of misinformation about it. If journalists are hearing that, and they haven't done their research, then they're going to follow that same line. Because you can't learn this in an afternoon or a day or from a chat. It's a journey. It's a learning journey. Mm-hmm. And you think people are being more educated now about the topic? I guess with, you know, advent of CBDCs, everyone's going to try and get themselves a little bit more clued up on what digital currencies are. Mm-hmm. Is that- I think only 3% of Africa have adopted their cbdc's and it's actually driving them to bitcoin that's the only good outcome that's going to come from this is i think when people start to understand what programmable money means in the hands of corrupt centralized power they're going to look for alternatives and this is the alternative yeah i think there are some examples even in south america when crypto was more stable than their own currency so mm. it was kind of yeah, bringing more value but because we um, live in we, we live in an area of relative stability i mean i know that we're seeing high inflation and it is bad and it may or may not slow down who knows but when when you suffer from hyperinflation 
like Argentina, then you have to have some sort of store of value because by the time you get paid, by the time you go and do your shopping, <laughs> it can go up that quickly in some countries. So you need to get your money into something that's going to hold its value. And that's why when you live in a country with hyperinflation, then you get it. We don't really understand because there's not, you're not living in a world where we need it. If you did, it would, it would, it would be a lifesaver. So do you think for us it's kind of more going out from the comfort zone? So it's hard to leave what you get used to? That's the reason why it takes us so long to actually adopt I don't technology. Think we, we in this particular country, or even in the US, I don't think we need it yet. I think there are countries that desperately need it and so therefore they understand the value of this mm-hmm. system. But because our economies, our governments, although not perfect, are relatively stable, we haven't felt that need. But but when CBDCs come in, obviously after COVID and the way that they try to control everything that we did during that time, when the penny drops and people realise that you've got centralised corrupt governments and programmable money then they will see the need. Do you think you're just like the news with Luna Terror and like FTX? Can it reduce the rate of adoption so people will get scared to actually invest in this field? Absolutely. It really doesn't help when you have, but it's not, it's not just that. It's, there are so many scams out there. I mean, 99% of all the cryptos are nonsense and it's all being lumped in together. And so... Bitcoin is completely different to other cryptocurrencies and there are some excellent cryptocurrency projects and chains but you have to do so much work to understand it and so when people get burnt they run a mile it's just because they weren't in receipt of the right information because the internet's rife of people just trying to scam you all the time so it's it's exhausting trying to understand it so how do you expect a journalist to write an informed piece oh yeah information's all over the place for that I think Bitcoin is probably like, I don't know, in my opinion, probably the, the purest blockchain. You know, there, there's, it is just there as a store of value and that's been its purpose ever since in it, its inception and that it's kind of stuck to it. Whereas and a peer-to-peer cash. Yeah, and a peer-to-peer cash, that's right. And all the other chains are trying to do a lot of um, other things with, with the uh, technology like smart contracts and NFTs and all of this uh other stuff that's going on like yeah they're solving different problems yeah but you know when you think of blockchain these days everyone thinks of smart contracts as well so Mm. do you think bitcoin will ever go in that direction where it tries to implement some kind of smart contract or other functionality have you not been hearing about the ordinals debate (laughs) i I think i sort of heard bits of it i know it can do some kind of smartish contract but it's not the same level as something like ethereum no, and I think Stacks is a layer one protocol, I think, goes over the top that can then integrate with Bitcoin. So I think they are working on solutions that will enhance its functionality. But it's we're so early, aren't we? I know everybody says that, but we are so early. Yeah, I, I think it's only been like just over a decade that Bitcoin's out. 14 yeah. years. 14 yeah, years, Th- so 3rd of January 2009 was when the first block was mined. Wow, okay. So it's like fourteen years, over 14 years old now. That's really cool. See how far it's come in that time. No CEO, nobody's getting paid. All the developers work for free. Everybody who's trying to promote this technology are not doing it because they're going to get rich quick because they're not. 
it's a people's army and they're all working for free because they can see how that if you change if you change money and you fix money then you can fix a lot of the problems in the world fix the money fix the world this is this is what a lot of bitcoiners see and that's why they're so passionate about this cause kind of like yeah i think i was trying to think about right now a lot of attention moved to some for like ai and everything do you think it's actually good that people are not very hyped about the crypto and everything so only those who they who are there for the value for actually creating the value not for quick money it's going to help the, the field to grow the field so basically bear markets are for building <laughs> and that's exactly what we're doing yeah absolutely i think that the people who understand it they're just building away ignoring the price they know the technology is good they know that everything else is just noise and they're just going to keep going i want i want to revisit the point about the environmental impact of bitcoin because i think when people think of bitcoin compared to all the other cryptocurrencies they always think of bitcoin as probably being the most energy consuming of the lot so what is your sort of response to that? It does consume the most energy because it uses proof of work. So all the transactions have to be validated on every single node. But that's what makes it special. If you change to proof of stake, like Ethereum, you're just turning it into the same bad systems that we currently have today. There's nothing special about that. It's still centralized. The more you have, the more chances you've got of verifying the transactions. This, this allows you to tap into stranded energy that would otherwise be lost. And it can be in, in, independent of a grid. So you can, anywhere where there is stranded energy, and that could be the volcanoes in El Salvador, or it could be hydro in Africa, you can use that, generate income, and use that money to build out infrastructure in those areas. And because it can be independent of a grid, you can do this anywhere on the planet, because on the planet, we have resources that will supply our needs thousands and thousands of times over. But we've got no way of tapping into them because electricity is difficult to, excess electricity is difficult to store, it's difficult to transport. I think you can't move it more than 500 miles. So we have all these logistical constraints around renewables. But the energy that we have on our planet is phenomenal. And there are countries that have a lot of energy and they don't know how to use it or utilise it. So you give them a little mining rig that they can plug into this energy that would otherwise be lost anywhere on the planet and they can start generating income. You switch to proof of stake and that no longer becomes a possibility, which is why it makes me so mad that Ripple have actually partnered with Greenpeace, paid Greenpeace $5 million dollars to run a change the code campaign so that they can change Bitcoin's code so it can switch from proof of work to proof of stake. Ripple know that's never going to happen. But Greenpeace seem to be running this absolutely ridiculous campaign. And if they understood Bitcoin, they would be trying to find ways of utilising it and, and bringing those, those, those countries and those communities and those villages out of poverty and and giving them a tool to use the resources that they need. But instead, what they're doing is they're putting out more fear, uncertainty and doubt, muddying the waters, taking money from Ripple to run something that would actually be quite damaging. And it makes me so mad. And this is this is an organisation that sh should know better. I mean, they've made some questionable decisions in the past, but you'd like to think that they mean well.
they don't. But I guess so, they're not really technology technology companies. And they shouldn't be taking and, five million pounds from Ripple to run an anti proof of work campaign. They should just keep mm-hmm. quiet and, and and do what they do. But they've got some questionable ethics anyway. So do you think like the the solution would be to actually focus more on renewables and actually use the energy for for mining? But it's just like I was a bit concerned that sometimes maybe some of the countries can actually use um, coal or fossil fuels. Of course, yeah, that was happening yeah. quite considerably in Kazakhstan, I think it is. But that's why as the difficulty rate increases, more energy is going to be needed to power the Bitcoin network. It only makes sense to find cheap stranded energy for the miners. Otherwise, it's not going to be cost effective. So there's an incentive there. The Bitcoin Mining Council is actually actively working on ways to find clean, green, cheap stranded energy. That's what they're doing. 61% of all the Bitcoin mined is coming from clean renewables. And that's happened in a very, very short amount of time. They actually have predictions where it could actually be net, it could be carbon negative. So when you when you take a really potent greenhouse gas like methane, when they flare, they they have to burn it to turn it into a less harmful gas, which is CO2. But they're still releasing CO2 into the atmosphere. They're just releasing a less harmful version of it. We have thousands of landfill sites thousands of biogas facilities. We have so many opportunities where we can turn a byproduct from a farm or from an oil rig or something that would otherwise go into the atmosphere, convert it into electricity and turn it into money. And then you can use that money to plough back into the system to generate more investment for renewables. And it's happening despite government's fighting this there there are people around the world working on these solutions in spite of government legislation i guess it's a lot easier for people to understand that you know proof of stake is more efficient than proof of work which is very true and i think it's a lot more difficult to explain uh, like all these initiatives that you can use to offset or ways to yeah, basically make more efficient use of energy so that which is not possible by proof of stake because as you say you know if you're just a small miner running you know some kind of a grid energy offset program you're probably not gonna hold a big enough stake in in a proof of stake network to be able to get anything meaningful yield out of it um, like how like how do you go about educating people about this i guess you know you're a big proponent of this approach how, how have people been receiving well first of all getting into the mainstream media is is a massive win so when they agreed to publish my article that went out to two million readers two million monthly readers for a business paper in london so that's how you start you just have to chip away and you have to show people working examples you have to marry up these companies that have stranded energy that it causes a problem for that they have few ways of disposing of it and marry them up with the solutions and say look you could just do this and it won't be a problem for you anymore in fact you'll be stopping releasing it into the environment and you'll be making money it's win-win so i think the way that we do this is we just keep going and we show them it works it's the only way words you can't 
can't keep talking about it and you can't keep fighting the FUD. We can, but through working examples. (laughs) (laughs) So basically you like to have more examples with the bringing the value or when they're using more renewables so that will work so just yeah slowly and steady yeah exactly and and it's such a young asset i mean it's only 14 years when you think about how far it's come i think the adoption of this has been faster than the internet right now i think bitcoin is because of its high price i think bitcoin is seeing kind of like the more luxurious uh side of the the cryptocurrencies whereas all the other chains uh, uh, i'm thinking like you know something more accessible like solana because of its low fees and i guess relatively low token price it's seen as something more accessible like um but yeah how how do you get about that and trying to educate people you don't have to buy a whole bitcoin Hmm. you can you can buy A couple of Satoshis if you need to. I mean, I think it's about 4,250 Satoshis is a dollar. So it's cheap. It's highly divisible and it's safe. So it really does depend on your risk appetite. We, I mean, we thought Solana was going to be the Ethereum killer. Ethereum is its own economy on its own. Who knows what's going to survive in the future? So I think you have to look at, all right, so you might make more money buying something like Solana in the short term. But what if it goes the same way as Luna? I mean, I know Luna was a different mechanism behind it won't go, but all you need to do is have a few more outages and a lot more, uh, you know, people leave and move to something else like Matic and all of a sudden Solana dies. But I think Bitcoin's just safe. And if you can't, if you think you can't afford to buy Bitcoin, then you're wrong because you can, you just have you buy five pounds a week and still be better off than most of the people that haven't heard about it get off zero i think is what they say i guess it's just hard for people to wrap around the idea that the coin can be split into multiple fractions or really i think it's a hundred million satoshis right it's highly divisible okay Probably, like, you can explain your hopes and predictions uh, about the cryptocurrency for, like, the near future, or maybe the long future. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen in, like, the next year or two? For it's very difficult, because over in the US at the moment, they've got Choke Point 2.0, where they're trying to really make the crypto industry look very, very unattractive. They're now going after Binance. I think we've still got a lot barriers and hurdles um the uk have said that they want to be a crypto hub they've only offered 370 million pounds towards the innovation so i i don't know do they get it or is it just words um i don't know where it's gonna head but i do know that people aren't gonna stop so governments will have a choice embrace the innovation and you'll be a lot better for it or ignore it and let everybody else overtake you I have high hopes for Bitcoin, especially as they start to introduce central bank digital currencies, because we'll have a very effective way of opting out peacefully from that 1984 Orwellian nightmare. As as they start to understand how proof of work can actually help build up rural communities and build out infrastructure, they will start to tap into our planet's resources They will start to see that they can use it to secure a global financial network with energy that would otherwise be lost. 
And I think the innovation that's going to come out of that is going to be mind-blowing. I'm really excited for the future of cryptocurrencies and seeing more work on proof-of-work type mechanisms. Because I think the point you made about how it is much more decentralized in course and it's more accessible by you know, smaller communities to be able to generate some kind of good yield out of that, I think that's a really good Susan, mm. do you have any kind of examples you're already wish to see in the real world for the cryptocurrency applications? So for example, for even for yourself, it's just like, oh my God, I want this. I can see this coming, but... Um, I would like I would like to see more people with uh, methane or biogas that they really is a problem to see it as an income. And mm-hmm. the more people that we can persuade, the, the quicker adoption will be and Bitcoin adoption in general. And then governments won't be able to ignore it anymore and they'll have to embrace it. So kind of like kill two birds with one stone. Of the cryptocurrency and as well the climate, yeah. Some of the images that came to my head was like this cattle farm with giant fans taking all the methane with all the cattle. I don't know how they collect it actually. I do need to look into that. It's not at the top of my to do list, but I do, I do need to understand that. I really do. Yeah. yeah. So probably like we need to educate farms as well about the possibilities of. Yes. Uh, yeah. We, farmers need to understand the opportunities and miners want to be put in touch with those farmers and we need to make those connections. How people can actually connect to you? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Decentrasoos. Great. Thank you so much for coming. And Thanks for coming. Hopefully we'll have you for the season two. Oh, yeah. oh that would be very exciting. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.